No, the second middle of the first middle. <laughs> if that's the third bell, we're in trouble. All right, well, we'll go ahead and uh, get started. I thought that was the first bell, but praise God that you all are here this morning. Uh, let's go together to God in prayer, please. Oh, gracious and kind, merciful and magnificent God in heaven, we do praise your holy divine name and thank you for awakening us from our beds of slumber, allowing us to assemble to hear a portion of your word, to study, to discuss, and to grow. Please strengthen our faith, Lord God, and help us to be what you want us to be and to do what you want us to do. Thank you for your patience and for your mercy. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee to be that will. Amen. So Second Peter uh, now, chapter 3, just... We're rounding the, you know, the corner to the end of the, of the whole study that Peter brings to us. And just imagine being in, you know, in these days during this amazing persecution. And in First Peter, he deals with the, the physical persecution. And now in Second Peter, he deals with the spiritual persecution. And then we looked at chapter two last week and that, you know, false teachers come in. They, they're there and they're sitting in their midst during their, a Jew tells us in their love feast, um, they're, they're, you know, scrutinizing the teaching. They're saying, hey, you know, why do you believe in Jesus? Are you sure you believe in Jesus? And there's this just amazing persecution going on. So these false teachers now, in chapter 3, Peter kind of, um, he's going to close it all out by putting it all into the, its proper perspective and say, you know, Things aren't really that much different than they, what they used to be. And we'll look at this in, in just a second. He starts out in the first two verses uh, reminding them, saying, Don't you remember? So important, right? Don't you remember? Verse 1, he says, This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I'm steering up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I want to remind you of something that's really important when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. I want you to remember some very important things. So I want to just, for a moment, I want to go back to the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 35, and then, and then Jeremiah 42. And I want us to look just for a moment at what God has said to the ancestors, if you will, uh, to the old, those old members of the, of God, the members of, of the body, if you will, and remember, God said, remember, what are they trying, what is Peter telling them to remember? Right? So we'll look at, um, beginning at verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction by listening to my word, declares the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are observed. So they do not drink wine to this day. For they have obeyed their father's command, but I have spoken to you again and again, and yet you have not listened to me. Also I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them again and again, saying, Turn now every man from his evil way and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to worship them, then you shall dwell in the land 
which I have given to you and to your forefathers, but you have not inclined your ear or listened to me. He makes a comparison. He says, you know, when a man comes along, you value what he says. You will even obey his commands. But I'm God, and I've sent my prophets, and I've told you things time and time again, and you won't obey me. There's no difference, is it? Now the men are coming in and saying, well, did Jesus, you know, is he really going to come back? I mean, he said he was, but was he really honest? Was God really telling you the truth? And the people are, if you will, scrambling. Well, yes, that's what Jesus said. But so-and-so says, and God says, don't listen to man. Listen to God, right? So it's not really new. He had the same problem with them in the Old Testament where they had, a tr- they had trouble or they struggled listening to God, but they had no problem listening to a man. No different today, right? Look at the number of people who will listen to what the preacher says, but not listen to what God says. I mean, think about that, right? Sometimes in our Bible studies, we'll have that very same uh, issue today where they go, well, you know, our preacher says, like, well, wait, but the, we, just, we just read it. What does the Bible say? And, well, look at chapter 44. I just want to show you there's nothing really new under the sun. Like the Bible said kind of all the same. We're struggling in the same way today as they did in the Old Testament, as they did in the early church, and now we today. Beginning at verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you yourselves have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are all in ruins, and no one lives in them because of their wickedness which they committed so as to provoke me to anger by, by continuing to burn sacrifices and to serve other gods whom they had not known, neither they nor your fathers. Yet I sent you all my prophets, all my servants, the prophets, again and again, saying, Oh, do not do this abomination or abominable thing, which I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ears to turn from their wickedness so as not to burn sacrifices to other gods. Therefore my wrath and my anger were poured out and burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. So they have become a ruin, a desolation as it is this day. Because I warned them and I told them, but they wouldn't listen. And he's saying, remember, I'm just steering up your mind by way of sincere reminder of what you know to be true. All of this happened just as God said it would. And then he becomes real personal, right? When Peter says, I want to steer up your mind by way of reminder. I want you to really remember this. Matthew 17 and verse, and verse 5, he says, I want you to remember what God the Father said to us when we were on the mountain, right? And we'll skip all the way down to verse 5, but this is the Mount of Transfiguration, and Moses and Elijah appear. And in verse 5, um, the Father says something about Jesus. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to 
Him. Okay. And then the Apostle says, I want you also to remember, we didn't make this up. Right? We looked at, you know, uh, over the last few weeks, it wasn't done in the corner. This is not something that's, that's come from man. This has come from God. Right? So then he reminds them of what he was reminded of. Uh, John chapter um, 14. The Holy Spirit blessed them and gave them or sent them or brought to them a reminder of everything that Jesus said. Everything. Remember, false teachers are in their midst telling them, don't listen to the apostles. But Jesus said, listen to the apostles. The false teachers are in their midst saying, you know, we've been here for a long time. It's been about 30 years and Jesus hasn't come back yet. Are you sure Jesus told the truth? And yet we know it's impossible for God to lie. Well, verse 25, John 14. These things I've written to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. So now the challenge really at this moment in the early church was, okay, are we going to listen to God? The Holy Spirit? Or are we going to listen to this fellow over here who sounds pretty good, but he's not inspired by God? Are we going to change the message of God because it, the new message fits a little better because of our times? Or are we going to remember what thus saith the Lord? Right? And then John 16, and then we'll get right back to Peter. I just wanted to step away for a moment. John 16, let's begin at verse 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He shall, glor- he shall glorify Me, for He shall take of Mine, and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that, he takes your mind and will disclose it to you. So, Peter says, I want to remind you of something. So let's go back to Second Peter now, please. Um, chapter 3. And let's grab uh, verses 1 and verse 2. This is now, beloved, the second letter I'm writing to you, in which I am steering up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Remember, right? Remember. So this is really important because, you know, in this, in this day as they, are, as they are struggling with this false teaching and, 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 you know, life, the persecution, they should not step away from their, their belief and understanding of God as if God has forgotten them. Or, or left them aside, or that God made a mistake. Even today we'll hear uh, the teaching that Jesus came the first time and didn't really realize he would have so much opposition, and so they, they killed him, and so he'll come back again. Like, but that's a belief in, our, in, in, you know, in the world today, even uh, amongst, uh, amongst people who are in denominations, that Jesus made a mistake. So therefore, the rapture is necessary, and then these other ideas that come along. So, 
God has made his plan clear. He's brought the message. The message is in spirit and in truth. It came from God himself through the inspired apostles, from Jesus himself, from the Father. They have the message right there, if you will, in their midst. And now they're struggling, but he's reminding them. And he says, okay, these people who are in your love feast, who are are in the the body, if you will, some in the body, some just have come to worship uh, with them. These people are making up their own doctrine or dogma, their own teachings, and they're trying to uh, force you to believe them, or if you will, deceive you into believing them. Remember chapter 2, they're secretly introducing things that are not true to cause you to give up your faith. Isn't that amazing how Satan works? You know, he doesn't want anyone saved, does he? No, Satan wants no one saved. And the contrast we'll look at later is, but God wants everyone saved, right? It's the complete opposite. So Satan's working on his end to deceive members of the body of Christ and to deceive the whole world. And God is working on his end to bring truth to everyone. Two complete opposites. So he goes in to talk about, well, what is it that they're, that they're teaching uh, in, in addition to what we found in chapter 2, verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust. So it wasn't just that they were mocking God, or mocking the apostles, or mocking truth. The motivation was what? They wanted to do what they wanted to do. So... This is what they want. They're following after their own lust. Remember, some of the teaching, some of the major teaching uh, there is, you know, get into that temple of Diana. We talked about that already. And, you know, give in to the Romans, um, if you will, and follow this life of sensuality and money. You know, these are the, this is what's important, right, in life. And so, Paul, uh, Peter, rather, calls these people mockers. They're coming and they're mocking. And here's what else they're going to say. Not only are they following their own lust. That's the way they live their lives and, and try and encourage others to do the same. But they also are saying in verse 4, where is the promise of His coming? I mean, is God really... We're really questioning God now, right? Is God really... Is He really God? Is there still a God? You know, is there still one God? So that's the depth of what's being said. Because... The one God that you trust, that you're following, well, he's made some promises. And, well, have they really come true? And, and that's where Peter is saying, remember, you can go all the way back to the Old Testament and come all the way into the New Testament. Remember what you saw with your own eyes. And during this, this time, if you will, there's still, the miraculous is still going on. And so the church has grown a bit in their, in their faith, their walk of faith. Remember what you know to be true. It's reminding them. But these mockers are coming along and they're saying, well, where is Jesus? And he just rose not long ago. They were there. These are eyewitnesses, right? He just rose. But over time, if we don't continue to remind ourselves to uh, study God's word, to fellowship, to walk the walk of faith and just continually remind ourselves of God's gifts and think about our blessings and count our blessings, we, being humans, will forget. We'll forget. That's probably why Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. 
and we do it every week, doesn't take long to forget. 30 days and, right, maybe that, 60 days and, you know, we will forget because we're human. Um, life happens, struggles come, difficulties, and even today when a difficult time ha- happens, sometimes we question our own faith, right? Remember what you know to be true. Remember what you know that has been tested and tried. Remember. So the mockers have come, following after their own lust. In verse 4, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Now they're going real deep. They're going, you know, think about this. Life has been the same since the beginning. Nothing's changed. There is nothing that has changed. What, what happened? Well, we go through our day. Well, we wake up first. We go through our day. And we go to bed at night. People live. People die. And that's it. It's the same old stuff over and over again. Wickedness and evil. Well, I mean, what has God really done about wickedness and evil? I mean, the world continues. It doesn't stop. It doesn't change. It just keeps going and going. And you know, who knows? Maybe it will never end. It's going to continue to go and to continue to... Nothing ever changes, guys. It's the same. We're living in the same earth, in the same environment that's always been. So why are you following Jesus? Why are you holding on to God? And so here we are. It's like, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe, um, maybe they have a good point. But in reality, that's all a lie, isn't it? So how do we know that? What is Peter going to do to address, um, you know, what the mockers are saying? Is there... They're saying, no, everything's been the same. Nothing on the earth has changed since the beginning of time. And Peter says, "Mm, well, let's think about that for just a minute. Verse 5. Let's think about this. But when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Verse 6 through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. So is it the same? It's not even the same earth. The first earth that God created, He spoke into existence, and then He sent a flood and destroyed that, and then here we are. So it isn't the same. No, no, things have not gone on the same over and over and over and over again like it was from the beginning. No, this place has changed and been forever altered. Oh, and why? Why did it change? Because of the wickedness of humanity. God sent a flood upon the entire world and destroyed all but eight souls and those who were on the ark. So don't believe that Rome is going to get away with their sin or that even the mockers will get away with their sin, or that any man will get away with their sin. No, it's not been the same. God reached that level, that point of, of, if you will, intolerance, where he says, I'm done, and he destroyed the whole world. It's not the same. And so there's the challenge to them. You know, that God created the heavens and the earth, and the challenge is, and then Jesus used Jonah, and then what happened to Jonah? Swallowed by a great fish. And, and Jesus taught us uh, that things aren't the same as they were from the beginning. 
Genesis 7, verse 11, God closed the doors of the ark. We know it's not the same, right? And, and maybe that's the question. It's remember, but how can you remember something that you don't know? Right? Now comes the importance of understanding and studying God's Word because you can't remember something you don't know. See? So he's kind of putting something else in there to them. Remember what you heard. You guys got to talk about this. Remind yourself. And for us, study God's word. And, and don't get too comfortable because Jesus said, let's turn to Matthew uh, 27 for a second. Jesus said some amazing things in his, in his teaching and in his ministry. Um, Matthew 24, rather. Matthew 24. That he wants us to get. Right and to be reminded of and to understand. He starts talking in 24. He's answering the question of three questions that I asked. And uh, now comes the end of the world. And what Jesus says is that not only, you know, was there the death, burial, and his resurrection, but in verse 37, he says something else. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Now, as far as we can understand the Scriptures, um, that was about 100 years of preaching. They're not even in 100 years yet after Jesus rose from the dead. He says, just like in the days of Noah, for as in those days which were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Don't get too comfortable. Because just like in the days of Noah, it's just like today for us. And it was for them. They were still eating and marrying and giving in marriage. They were still partying and and living their lives and living it up. And then all of a sudden, it was over. And that's exactly the way it's going to be for us. That's exactly the way it's going to be for them. That one day, when you're not expecting it, it's going to be over. And the mockers were saying, no, no, he hasn't come yet. And Peter's saying, oh, but one day, he will. And they didn't take it seriously, right? In the days of Noah. They didn't take it seriously. I mean, you know, God isn't going to, is God really going to, does God really want us to change our lives, our lifestyles? Does God really have expectations of us? Is God really going to flood the earth? And then one day, all of their questions were answered. And then that same question now, in in the book of Peter, you know, is Jesus really coming back? Is he really coming back? Look at how long it's been so far, and things really haven't changed. Is he really coming back? And Peter says, not yet. He hasn't come back yet. But one day, it's going to all be over. And that same message, if you will, um, ripples all the way from generation to generation to us. That, yeah, it's been almost, it's been 2,000 years and he hasn't come back yet. So should we just continue in sin? Mm, one day. One day. Maybe in our lifetime and maybe in the life to come, but one day it's going to all be over. It's going to all end. This world is, right? 
Now, again, as I said earlier, and during this time, Satan doesn't want anyone to be saved. But God wants everyone to be saved. So Peter's going to remind us of this in, in, just, in just a moment. But he's just kind of reminding them, remember, 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 remember what you know to be true. Right? Let's turn back to 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. Let's grab verse, um, verse 8 so we don't run out of time here. Um, and I want you to think about so far what's been, what's been spoken of um, as far as what, what's going on in the, in the church, the struggles they're going through. Um, why is, why the delay? It's been over 30 years. He hasn't come back yet. Why the delay? Verse 8. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Wait, oh, wait, we're supposed to look at this from a heavenly perspective and not an earthly one, right? God is outside of time, right? And so, being outside of time, that changes everything. If we're looking at this from God's perspective, from God's vantage point, this thing's just begun. <laughs> right? Like, what? Yeah, from God's vantage point, it's just begun. Wow. But it's to God, who's outside of time, right? We don't apply this to humanity because we're inside of time. We're, we're finite beings. He's an infinite being. So, so inside of time, oh, it feels like forever. But to God, He's outside of time. Do not let this one fact escape your notice. This is tried and tested and proven. This is why the world continues. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That's why. That's why tomorrow has come. We're in that tomorrow, right? Today, maybe, your individual, our individual last chance, today God could call us home. Or, today He could come home, come back and take everyone home. Today could be the end, right? But because we live our lives every day, we don't think about that. Like today could be the last day. Not that we live in uh, doom and gloom, but rather rejoicing that today could be the last day. You know, so how much longer do I have to hold on to the faith of God during this tremendous persecution? Just one more day. Just today. Hold on to today. And, and you know what? Tomorrow, God said himself, Matthew 6, tomorrow will take care of itself. Today's got enough trouble. Just You just need to work with your relationship with the Lord Today. Just don't think about tomorrow. Just today, right? That's how we live our lives. That's how we walk by faith. We just live today. We live in the moment. We live in the day. We live in the hour. We live right now. I don't know what's going to happen in, an hour, in one hour away. None of us do. Or, or a day away or a week away. We don't know. But we have to live in the day and recognize and remember that God is giving us this moment right now 
to get our lives right with Him if they're not. This is the moment, right? This is, this is the hour. This is the moment. This is the day. This is it. And this is even more personal. This is your hour. It's my hour. It's, it's my moment. It's, it's my opportunity right now. What am I going to do with it? What am I going to do about it? And think about back in their days, right? Where they could be uh, uh, in, a, in a meeting or just in their homes eating dinner. And then out of nowhere, the Romans crash through their doors. And take some of them away. Right? To their persecution. To their execution. To, the, to imprisonment. Just, just live in this moment. Right? Live in this hour and rejoice because God is good, right? So here's Peter's reminder to them. Heaven is nearer today than it was one minute ago, right? To us individually and even collectively, if you think about the whole you know, scope of the world, God is giving us a chance to change. Is that new? Is that something that's different? Well, well, no, he's done that for how? Forever. This is God's consistent pattern of life, right, for us, as far as humans are concerned. You go back to Ezekiel 33, around 11 and 12, he says, you know, I do not want the death of the wicked. Why wouldn't God desire the death of the wicked? So I guess we have to ask ourselves, is hell real? Why doesn't he want the death of the wicked? See, it wasn't God's plan to send Satan and his angels to hell. It was Satan's plan in that he decided to wage war against God and he lost. And so for that he's punished, he and his angels. And then how many people today, because of weakness or desire or whatever it may be, mockers in Peter's day who are following after their own lust, how many of them are following Satan? Well, our world today, how many people today are willfully, I'm not even talking about the ignorant, willfully following Satan? There's a lot. And they'll tell you. They'll willfully tell you that we're following. Yeah, we don't, we don't believe in God. We believe in Satan. We're living our lives the way we want, and that's what we want to do, and so leave us alone. Okay. There's no God. There's no such thing as God. God is wrong. They'll say horrible things about God as well. What do we do with that? Just one day, just keep teaching, right? God is giving everyone a chance to be saved. Isn't that amazing? To me, that's amazing. I, that is, I mean, you know, in my own personal life, it's amazing. I'm thankful. Thank you, God, you didn't come when, oh, wow. Wait, there are so many others who are lost. Here's the urgency of evangelism, right? That everyone has another opportunity today. Today's that last chance. Or maybe they'll have another chance tomorrow. But then tomorrow may be the last chance. Or maybe, you know, we can keep doing this over and over again until we leave the earth. Today is just as important and valuable to God as yesterday was. Right? Today, one more chance. Just one more. Thank you, God. But one more opportunity to reach my loved one. Thank you, God, for one more opportunity 
to reach my neighbor, whomever it may be. Thank you, God, for one more chance, one more opportunity to do good. Thank you, God, for one more chance to say to you, thank you. Thank you for one more opportunity to fix me. Ah, that's pretty important, isn't it? So I can work on me. got to fix me. I want us to look just, we have time, yep, mm, yep, we don't. Isaiah 55, 6 to 11, you know, God talks about the heavens and the earth and his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And then verse 11, God's word never goes, it never goes forth without accomplishing what he desires or, or what he wills. We've got to hang in there for one more day, right? Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. So the first time, God sent a flood, the flood waters, and now this time, He's going to send fire. So it's going to be different, right, than it was the first time. He's sending fire, and He's going to burn up the earth and all of its works. Everything is going away this time. And then He says, okay, logically, when you conclude or think about this, since, verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Well, that's kind of a rhetorical question. Obviously, we ought to fear God and serve Him with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength. We ought to love Him. We ought to be obedient to Him. We, we ought to stay faithful to Him. We, oh, I get it now. It's starting to make sense. In this day, today, today, I, I ought to, I ought to love God, serve God, obey God, and love my fellow man, my neighbor as, as myself. I ought to take my spirituality seriously, right? I ought to stay true to God because it's all going to end one day. I just don't know when. What are we looking for as God's people? We're looking for this day to be with God forever, right? We should be, right? Verse, what is it, verse uh, 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Looking for this day. Not, not looking for a complete utter destruction in, in one sense, but we're looking for the day to be with God. And so being with God means that the world and the earth goes away. It's all destroyed because our eternity continues on, right? So once you're born and you live, God says that if you're a faithful Christian, even if you uh, die, you still live. So if they kill you, don't worry about it. You're still living. In fact, the person that lives, the soul never dies. The who that you are never dies. Never, right? And so what a joy to be able to, to be with God and be excited about this new world that we're going to be living in, this new life. Well, what's new about it? Well, we're no longer in the flesh. And so we're outside of the flesh. So from a very simple perspective, Peter says, okay, remember the, the earth is not the same. It was destroyed by floodwaters. Don't listen to the mockers. Jesus promised, and he's not slow about his promises. He's patient, and he's outside of time. Number three, he's coming back. And when he comes back, the world and all that we know is going to be burned up and melt with intense heat. Everything 
Remember what Jesus says, so don't store up treasures on earth. It's all going to burn up anyway, right? And then he says in verse 13, but according to his promise, we're looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. All he's talking about is our new state, right? Our new state of being, not on the earth, not that God's going to do it over again in the sense of destroy this earth and then, you know, establish a new one. But rather, he's talking about our transition from this life to the next life where we leave flesh and blood and we only live in the spirit and we live with God forevermore, right? What an amazing place to be. The mocker said it's not going to happen. The mockers are saying, no, no, everything goes on the same. Nothing is going to change. And Peter says, no, remember, it's already changed once. And it's going to change again. You know, we're going to go from the state of being that we are in right now into a heavenly one. Get excited about this. Right? Remember this. You know, God, I always love, I think about God. I say, God is a genius. He's a genius. Right? All right. We know that, right? I know. I want you folks to long for heaven. Okay, Lord. But Lord, we don't, we don't even know you know, what heaven, what is, I mean, we understand the concept kind of a little bit, right? To live forever, to live, imagine living, wait, outside of your body, right? I don't know. I don't even know how to do that. Do you know how to do that? No one knows how to do that. We've never done that before, to live outside of our bodies and to get a new body, a brand new body. Wait, all right, a brand new body. And so, oh, so I really don't have to worry too much about this body. All right. So <laughs> a brand new body. And then that new body, we're going to live forever and we're like, we'll, we'll be like, we'll be like the angels in one sense where we don't, we don't need flesh, which is interesting, right? We're going to live forever. And then, and I want you to know something, church. He says, I want you to know something, that this place, this heavenly place that we're speaking of right now, I want you to remember something. Remember this, remember this. All of your Christian loved ones, your faithful People who've died with the Lord, they're waiting on you, right? They're waiting, they're there. They're all right, they're alive, they're well. They're, they're looking, they're great, they're doing wonderful. Here's another incentive to get to heaven, isn't it great? God is so smart, right? You know, oh yeah, why do you want to go to heaven? I just want to be there, with my, I want to see my loved ones again. And, and no, oh no, no, I want to, no, I want to be with God, I want to be with God, but I want to be with my loved ones, and yeah, they're there. And you got to love Revelation 6, right, where the souls under the altar are talking, you know, and all the saints are in heaven, they're up there. And then you, you have to love uh, 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 where God talks about the angels rejoicing over one sinner who repents. And you have to imagine the, uh, the whole, you know, idea of Revelation that he's talking about the heavens and how the saints are up there singing praises of God and everything's great. It's great up there, right? Hey, hang in there, church. How, how long, God? Just one more day. Live in your day, right? Live in your moment. Get rid of this physical stuff. Stop being selfish and, and stop living in sin. Don't live that way because God has prepared something. Don't You don't want to miss it. That's what Peter's reminding them of, right? Remember, Moses and Elijah appeared and they were talking to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were having this conversation and Peter says, we were afraid. Well, Peter was afraid. And the Bible says he didn't even know what to say. So he said, Lord, uh, it's good to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, one for uh, you. Yeah, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And this is a great moment. And God says, no, listen to Jesus. Oh, the mockers have forgotten to listen 
to Jesus. Right? So verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you, are, uh, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord to be salvation, just as also our beloved Paul, our brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them, of things in which some things are hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the Scriptures, to their own destruction. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest being carried away by the air of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness. Okay, I know. Yes, there are some things that Paul wrote, and you're reading it, and Paul says, I was in the third heaven. Well, I knew a man in the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Some of the things Paul wrote are hard to understand. Yeah, especially the heavenly stuff. But don't distort it. Right? Don't do that. Don't follow after the error of unprincipled men. Just live in your moment and live in your day and stay away from those sins that are destructive. All sins, right? But stay away from sin. And instead, verse 18, grow, right? Grow in God's grace. But grow in the grace in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so here's our our, our message for this morning. Thank you, God, for your grace. And then God says, and I have so much more. And I want you to grow in it. So there's your motivation. You know, why am I living a righteous life? I want to grow in the grace of God. Are you working your way to heaven? Absolutely not. But my focus every day is to try to put a smile on the God whom we serve, on his face, to make him happy and to make him rejoice over all the grace that he's going to give to me in that day. And not just to me, but to all those who love Jesus Christ, right? To all who love his appearing, all of God's people. My motivation today for you is grow. Grow in God's grace, right? Grow in God's grace. We cannot stop the inevitable. The earth is going to burn up. The focus has to be on God. Grow in His grace. Grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ until the day of eternity. Thank you. Lesson is yours. God bless you all. Thank you for your time this morning.